1: we continue with our study of the book of Jude. This week's study is found in Jude verses eight through 13, which deals with certain men that have crept into the church to its detriment. Jude sums up these men in verses 12 and 13 warning. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts. When they feast with you without fear, Caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he delivers today's portion of of this week's message entitled, Hidden Reefs.
0: I invite you to take your Bible, please, and come with me to the book of Jude, which is, in our English Bibles, strategically placed to let us know that throughout the age in which we live, there is a constant spiritual battle going on. Standing just before the book of Revelation, it's as if Jude is there to show us what it's going to be like until the Lamb of God is revealed. Christ in this age is building His church, and wherever He does His work, Satan seeks to discredit it, to undermine it, to sully its reputation, and to try to discourage those whom Jesus saves. Satan works primarily through spreading false doctrine and by infiltrating every place that there is a fellowship of God's people in a manifestation of His church in any locale. Jesus, I'm sorry, Jude rather, stands tall to help us be strong for the battle and to remain faithful until we are with Christ. Now, the particular kind of unbeliever that Jude is talking about is not the atheist, not the cult leader, not the member of a of a different world religion or something like that. No, he's talking about the person who doesn't mind associating with the church, who is willing to openly profess to believe in Christ and is therefore difficult, sometimes impossible to distinguish from a Christian. Now we've been doing a little series on the Bible postcards, the one-page books of the Bible, and Jude is the finale, and we have scheduled seven visits to Jude. It's a pithy little page in your Bible. Today is visit number four, and I want to take a running start at our text for this morning by reading what we've seen in our first three visits to this letter. Here's Jude 1 through 7. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day." Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal life. The first words of our passage for today in verse 8 are, yet in the same way. In other words, there's a connection here. Those horrible examples of of God's righteous judgment on wicked men and wicked angels even um, set the pattern. And we're to understand that pattern, so we recognize it, and so we make sure that we are not in that pattern. So we're going to dive back into our text, and uh, soon you'll see why our title is Hidden Reefs. We're going to look at verses 8 through 13 hidden reefs in your love feast. We will see old sins with new techniques in verses 8 through 10, and then woe to them in verses 11 through 13. So start with verse 8, old sins, new techniques. Yet in the same way, these men, what men? The ones who have crept in, unnoticed, the infiltrators, also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. So in the same way makes the connection. There's a comparison between the examples he just used that we saw last week and the spiritual counterfeits counterfeits that Jude was writing about in the first century, which uh, continue to this day. So to apply the passage, notice in verse 7, there was in the same way. There it's in the Greek, it's an adjective. In verse 8, it's an adverb in the same way, a direct connection Between the false teachers in the first century of the New Testament era, the perversions of Sodom and Gomorrah, the perversions of the sons of God from Genesis 6, and the judgment of God on His own people. The point is that the same God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the same God who imprisoned rebellious angels forever. The same God that kept an entire generation from seeing the promised land is the God with whom we have to do. The same activities and attitudes performed today will reap the same judgment from God. Don't be fooled. Be on the alert. Don't be calloused or numbed to it. And don't be naive. Now comes before us a a string of vivid descriptions of the false teachers. I've had the same experience twice when translating parts of the New Testament. I did just great going through 1 Peter and I got into 2 Peter and I was loving it all and I got through chapter 1 of 2 Peter and then I got to chapter 2 of 2 Peter, which is quite parallel to Jude because Peter was predicting it and Jude said, uh, it's here. And I was translating this and I was kind of feeling good about myself. You know, I can, I can pretty much sight read this stuff. I hit that chapter and I thought, what's that word? What's that word? What's that word? Both Peter and Jude to describe these false teachers stretched and strained their vocabulary and pulled some words out that occur nowhere else in the Bible. They were exercised about this. Well, notice what he says. In the same way, these men, by dreaming, that's the first description of them, that means that they imagine things to be true that are not. They take the real for the unreal and the unreal for the real, or to use Isaiah's terminology from Isaiah 5, they call evil good and good evil. And what they think is revelation from God is not. You know, false teachers almost always claim to have some kind of special information from God that nobody else has. They might say it came by dreams or by visions or automatic writing. That's where a a demon takes over a person and writes things that usually become religious bestsellers because they're lies or mystical impressions. God just told me this was so. And even some cases, um, drug use induces alleged revelation from God. Well, what they actually do following their dreams is they defile the flesh, the next description of them. False doctrine always goes hand in hand with bad practice. And once you turn from God's word, moral restraints tend to drop by the wayside quite quickly. The next description is that they Reject authority. That means that they deny God's word. The faith which was once for all handed down to the saints that we've already seen here. And then he says they revile angelic authorities or revile angelic majesties. You'll see different translations of that in different, um, different renderings of that word in different English translations. That's more difficult to understand. The truth is the word angelic, the Greek word angelic isn't in this passage. The Greek word authorities isn't in this passage. The Greek word majesties isn't in this passage. It's literally glories. And it's used in a very unusual way for the word glory. Um, Or glorious ones, you might say. It's almost certainly a a reference to angels. They are very prominent in the context. And this particular brand of false teacher at that time claimed things were true of angels that were not like they were created beings. Or when we've studied Colossians, we've seen how there was this uh, idea that different angels represented different sort of levels of knowledge through which you had to climb and work your way to get to God. A lot of perversion of that. Uh, There was a modern version of this aberrant doctrine. There is a modern version of this aberrant doctrine. Uh, It's the idea that you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you should give orders to angels or demons. Don't pay attention to people who tell you that you should rebuke Satan or demons, or that you should converse with them. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.